0: She was trying to squeeze me into the normal box, and I was trying to squeeze her into the American parent box. And that is what caused a lot of the friction.
1: Hello there, and welcome to This Is My Family, a podcast about building a life with the people you love. I'm your host, Tyler Green, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm raising a baby with my husband in California, and as my family grows and evolves, I wanted to talk to fascinating people about how we make our families and how our families end up making us. In each episode, I talk to someone about family, and that's a word we use in the broadest and most inclusive way possible. In this episode, I'm talking to Kathy too. Kathy is a podcasting pro a fancy supervising producer at the New York Times. In a previous podcasting life, she worked at Radiolab and was the co-host of the incredible queer podcast Nancy from WNYC. I am a super fan of that show. And I had the great pleasure of working with her and her team, Matt Collette and Tobin Lowe and Joel Meyer on a live version of that show when the Nancy team traveled to Chicago and performed. Kathy would talk about her family in bits and pieces on Nancy. And honestly, I just wanted an excuse to be nosy and ask her even more questions. So I invited her on the show. Kathy's family immigrated from Taiwan when she was a young child. She has two siblings and her parents in America, but the rest of the extended family was in Taiwan. I started by asking about how her parents showed love to her and her siblings growing up.
0: I would say the way that my family communicated love was in providing monetarily Or just in knowing that we always had a place to come home to. Mm -hmm. They were not very big on saying I love you or like showing any type of support, showing up to anything that I was in. I was in band all throughout high school, like a band nerd. And my parents never went to any of those things. In fact, they were trying hard for me not to do any of those things because band costs money Mm. and required parents to volunteer. And they were just like, no. We're not volunteering. We'll pay the band fees, but that's it. Yeah. So that's what I remember is that they were a little bit absent, always provided. Most of the tension that we had growing up was, was like me and my brother and sister wanting to do American children things that mm-hmm. we saw on TV. And my parents saying, no, we don't have time for that. We can't afford that. Or just like, no, we're not doing that. You're Chinese. <laughs> we're not doing that. That was very hard to understand as a kid when you you take in from all of your media consumption that, like, love from your parents should be shown in physical um, hugs or in words or in just, like, showing up for you. Mm-hmm. That's not what my parents did. That's not how they were taught. And so I think there was a huge disconnect growing up mm. feeling like. I can't tell if they love me. I know they love me, but I can't tell. So that was generally, I think, how I felt growing up. How did that show
1: up for you, I guess, as a kid?
0: I didn't have the words for it. Mm. So I think what I did was it manifested in me being upset that I didn't get to do the things that I wanted to do like Mm. other kids. I had a lot of tantrums about wanting to have sleepovers I wanted to join sports teams and my mom was, I remember my mom's just saying, well, you're not athletic. What are you doing? (laughs) And I I remember thinking at the time, I was like, that's not the point. I should just like try do I want to be on a Mm. team sport or something. Yeah. Or I wanted, I really wanted to do some sort of martial art. And (laughs) my mom would always say, whenever I I would try so many different types of martial art, I wanted to, I didn't actually get to try them. My Mm. mom would say like, you need to have started at, that at, like, four years old. You're too old now. And I was maybe, like, 12 <laughs> or something. <laughs> She's like, you're never going to make too it late. as a martial artist, so what's the point? <laughs>
1: too late to get that black belt, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so I know that you're really, like me, into pop culture. And so I thought it would be interesting to hear you give us uh, some examples mm. of maybe two or three shows, uh, movies that you watched where you felt like, wow. My family isn't
0: like other kids. Oh my God! Easy, Full House, as as we Growing Pains, what would we do, baby? Family Ties, family. family Matters. I really watched all of those um, like classic '90s TV shows where it's like a it's a nuclear family however it's made up they just constantly show up for each other mm. like i just loved having a full family that really showed up for each other the first thing that i learned about family in the united states as an american was that it's a nuclear family with like with your parents and your siblings and then the second thing i learned is that Apparently, you do all of your life's things without your parents and only with your friends. So (laughs) I watched a lot of those shows as well. Mm -hmm. I loved a show that didn't have parents in it. I loved a movie that didn't have anything to do with parents like The Goonies. So I think Hmm. since I was a kid and throughout my life, I'd find groups of friends in whatever thing I was doing at the time. Um, I've had the same group of elementary school friends since elementary school. And we still, I mean, they're on the West Coast. and I'm in the East Coast now. But when I get to go back, we try to get together. I've got groups of friends from college, from law school, from radio. I feel like I'm constantly trying to put together a group of friends to belong to. That very much reflects (laughs) what I was told about friendship. But I just thought a group of friends is what I will have. And so I will go out and make those things happen for myself.
1: Can we go back to Goonies for a second? Like, I haven't seen it in a while, but can you tell me more about that specific film and like what it did for you in in the kind of, I don't know, reminding you that friends could be family too, kind of thing? Yeah, the
0: Goonies. I mean, the general plot of this, this group of kids, they were losing where the whole neighborhood that they were living in. And so they thought, we're going to go find this treasure, we'll bring it back, and then we can like actually afford to live here. And what I loved about it was that it was a group of kids on an adventure together and they had each other's back and there was the tiniest amount of representation for an Asian kid. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. tiniest amount. I loved watching shows and films where kids do adult things like going on an adventure and they didn't need their parents to provide them with anything. And I think it's because I didn't feel like My parents were so involved in my life anyways, and so they felt a little bit, like, in the background. They weren't helping me with my homework. They weren't super involved in my school life or anything like that. So I think I looked for that example elsewhere.
1: There are some really great stories of finding close friends and building chosen families as a queer person on the podcast Nancy that Kathy co-hosted with her friend Tobin Lowe. And they both shared a lot of personal stuff on the show. For Kathy, that included her coming out story, which was not a simple one-time event with her family.
0: I came out for the first time in college, and that did not go very well. I always did it over the phone because I couldn't bring myself to do it in person because I knew that I was going to end up crying, and if I ended up crying, then I couldn't say anything. That wasn't the point. So I did it over the phone. Well, actually, I didn't do it over phone. I did it in an email. And then she called and yelled at me on the phone over and mm-hmm. over again. Mm-hmm. And that was not uh, great. That was actually a very traumatizing experience at the time. So and we just pretended nothing happened. We just pretended that everything was fine. Um, we just won't talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, then maybe it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, I decided to come out again and... Once again, I did it through email because I couldn't do it in person. And then my mom this time didn't say anything. And I wanted her to say something. I wanted her to just, like, tell me it's going to be okay. I still love you. That's what I saw on TV. And that's not how she took it. Hmm. And I think I would have been fine had she just talked to me at all about how she was feeling, if she was scared, if she thought somebody was to blame for it. I just needed to hear something, but her tactic was, okay, even if this is true, it's not something I approve of, so I don't wanna talk about it. Hmm. And then close to when Nancy was starting, I felt the urge to talk to her again. God knows why, I really couldn't tell you exactly. Okay, I can tell you, but people are gonna judge me. I was at Burning Man and I was at the temple And at the temple, people think about the things that are really weighing you down. And the thing that came to me over and over again was that my mom didn't know who I was Mm -hmm. because I couldn't be honest with her, or I was honest with her and she didn't accept it. So it was just weighing on me. So, so I wrote (laughs) at Burning Man. I wrote this letter to her, sort of introducing myself. And my my plan was to get that translated into Chinese so that my mom could read it. But then I think somewhere along the way, I lost it. And so I thought, okay, well, let's just have another conversation. And at that point I had gone to Transom, I had met Tobin and I wanted to document. Cause one thing I learned at Transom at radio school was that you're a little bit braver, just like a tiny bit braver when you have a microphone in your hand it's almost like you're on assignment and you can say a little bit more. And I found that to be true when I was like out on the street trying to get people to talk to me. I still hate it, but you're just a little bit braver with the microphone in your hands. So I thought I would approach that with my mom. And so we had the conversation and we got to like say all the things that I wanted to say back in college. And I, was able to hear a little bit more about how she felt. She, I think, heard a lot of what I was trying to say. There was some Google Translate in there to try to like really understand. Because I, this whole time, I just thought maybe she just didn't understand me because we had a language barrier.
1: Right.
0: But at this point, I now understand that that's not what it is about at all. It has everything to do with culture and what how she was raised and how I was raised. Since then, I've gone back and done little updates for Nancy to the point where my mom is, is sick of being a, uh, as Tobin Locked says, star. the third, the third co-host of Nancy. <laughs> 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 she was every time I showed up with the microphone, she's like, "Ugh, again." Mindy, <laughs> one Can you interview with me? Uh, we love you all. We love you all. Just one more time. For what? It's like part three. It's a trilogy. <laughs> I think that the conversations have really helped. And my continuing to act like the way I live my life is completely normal. I think that's what she's scared of, is that I would somehow not be normal. Whatever her idea of normal was or is. Mm -hmm. So I just continue to act like everything is completely fine. Um, And I would talk about my partners, um, female partners, like... Anybody would talk about their partners, about a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was that had to be my tactic to sort of win her over. And then I would check in with her when it comes to um, Nancy and see how she was doing. And what's so funny is I felt like the more I checked in with her, the more she was like, I am getting so much better. You don't even recognize it. Ah. (laughs) That's sort of the attitude I got from her. (laughs) She was very much like... I feel like I've grown a lot. Mm. <laughs> and you're not saying anything about that. You're she's, always just asking me to do more. Just <laughs> flipping
1: it on you. She's like, yeah. be vulnerable, Kathy. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, as I got older, I got I was more able to see where my parents are coming from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that it's okay for them for for my mom to have been not so accepting growing up based on her background, I just, what am I trying to say? I think what I'm trying to say is that I think the differences that we had about my queerness this whole time has been something that, it's the same thing that we were doing to each other. She was trying to squeeze me into the normal box, and I was trying to squeeze her into the American parent box. Mm-hmm. And that is what caused a lot of the friction because I wanted a mom that was going to come to pride and celebrate that she had a daughter married to a part a female partner. but she wouldn't she probably wouldn't do that for my sister, who's straight <laughs> and go to and celebrate her in that way either. She's just not a celebration type person. Yeah, so it's just getting getting to that point where we can understand where uh, each other coming from. It's just it's it's been very freeing for me Mm. and how I relate to her now.
1: So we're about the same age. And I know for my husband, who is Chinese, there was a lot of uh, cultural weight placed on having biological children. Do you have that pressure from your parents um, with you and your wife, Brittany?
0: My mom has never... I Also, um, caveat is that uh, I always say my mom, but I usually mean my parents, just Mm that my... this is also very typical, I think, of <laughs> Asian families,
1: mm-hmm. of
0: my parents. My my mom is like the disciplinarian, and my dad is sort of just in the background hanging out. He's <laughs> so,
1: chilling, yeah,
0: um. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what his truly his views on queerness are because he's never expressed them, and I've never felt the need to figure that out from him. Like my approval needs are from my mom and solely my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I already know that my dad. Thinks I'm his favorite child, so I didn't need to go through that with him. Anyways, yeah. so um, with my mom, she never really pushed children on us. She did talk many times about getting married, having, getting a husband, and how are you going to marry a guy if you're this way? I remember once I we went to IKEA and I got this whole like wardrobe set, and I went home and I just built it all myself in like middle school or something and instead of my mom being like proud of me for doing that she was like you got to leave some of that for the guy to do because who's going to marry you if you uh-huh. can do all of that and i was like but i can do it i don't understand but i did it i just did it it's I, just, done. I just i just i just did it <laughs>
1: And that's no small feat, by the way. IKEA's IKEA has almost been the end of our marriage multiple times for, so. for
0: many for many people. Yes, <laughs> yes. it's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, if that wasn't like a sign of like queerness back in the day, I just I, I completely missed it—the mm-hmm. fact that I could just <laughs> put that together and l- love the experience.
1: My version of that was singing "It's all coming back to me now" to four of my friends oh my god, in my living room. I love that
0: song so much.
1: <laughs> oh, let's talk about how I saw her sing it in Vegas, uh, <gasps> like two years ago, with my husband. We took a gummy, a pot gummy, right before the concert. Kicks in right then. Lit- like it was. It, oh my I god, can't Tyler! Even talk Tyler. about it. I, I'm almost, literally almost crying.
0: <laughs> Tyler, the last so public gay. thing I did before the pandemic was last February, Celine Dion concert. That Courage Tour, Brooklyn. right? Yes, yes, it was so good, it was so good. Mm. I just remember thinking as we were going in, it was just the beginning of like, you don't need to wear masks, but like wash your hands. And um, <laughs> and I, we were like, should we go? I mean, everybody's still going. So we went, sung our hearts out. That was mm. probably a super spreader event, God. I don't know.
1: Super spreader, joy. Super spreader of joy. <laughs> <laughs> spreader of joy. <laughs> she, she, she is coming. Speaking of coming back, she is coming back. That tour is coming back now that the world is opening back up again. Oh. So check your ticket master. Oh my god, I need you to can, go back. I literally went on. You can get any ticket right now. Justin Bieber, like they're all ready to be bought. So oh, like find your next your okay, first okay, concert. Okay, you know. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, oh, I would love to I, go we, back into the concert with Celine again. That would be oh amazing. My god.
1: We have fully derailed him and him yeah, okay I'm okay with Yeah, I'm sorry, it. but Love it's okay. Her no, don't so apologize. <laughs> so your your mom really doesn't bug you too much about she kids, had basically. she hadn't yeah. and
0: even now. So my my older sister, she's a year older than me. She has a kid who I keep forgetting is my nephew. Which will <laughs> tell you exactly how cousin how I feel about
1: nephew yes. like what? Which one is it? I do that. <laughs> I keep also.
0: saying I keep saying her kid, and then Brittany is always like, "You mean your nephew?" <laughs> I'm like, right, 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 right. Yeah, him. Um, <laughs> I thought that my mom would be so much more into being a grandmother and I think she enjoys it, but she's not like constantly trying to go over. She kind of like is annoyed about having to babysit like twice a week. And Mm
1: -hmm. she
0: how she said it to me was, I've already raised three children, four if you include your dad. So I don't need to do this some more. (laughs) Like it's her turn to raise the kid. And I was like, Huh, interesting. I'm honestly kind of surprised by that because I thought that this is exactly what she would have wanted. <laughs> the, the other thing is I do, I do remember since coming out, my parents, well, my dad has never talked about it, but my mom has stopped at all talking about getting married, for me anyways. She now is like, <laughs> she now is really into the she she like admires her friends who are not married and don't have kids and don't have a husband because mm. she's like like how great Auntie so and so is. She just gets to like travel, socialise things. <laughs> and I'm like I think my mom is going through a midlife crisis. Mm. It's true. <laughs> I think she unfortunately has a lot of regrets about the things that she's done in her life. Part of it I think is because I just like do whatever I want. I don't really care too much about expectations of me like i want her approval to a certain extent but it's not going to stop me from doing what i want to do and being true to myself and i wonder if she feels like i just i just know that there's more to my mom and that she never got to live it out and now she's waiting until retirement for her to do all those things and i'm just worried that
1: Mm.
0: at that point she's going to start feeling tired and not be able to do all those things I mean, like, at one point she did tell me that she regrets immigrating to the U.S. because now she can't really communicate very well with my brother. Mm -hmm. They really have a language barrier. Me Mm -hmm. less so. My sister is, like, the most fluent in Mandarin. Yeah, so I know my mom has regrets, and I feel really bad about that. Mm -hmm. But there's not super much I can do except promise her that I will support her in her retirement.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. I'm having the thought that I kind of wish like I my husband and you had this conversation <laughs> for the podcast because <laughs> he's going through so many things that are so similar and like even with his mm. mom, like even now she's like she's apologized to him about the way she communicated with him as a kid. Like mm. she's I don't know that she's like she loves her grandson. Like sorry. I'm going <laughs> to um she just she just hasn't seen him in so long and it's so hard and like we're so tired and it's like can you please come here like and and then there's the whole like yeah it's just it and she has said like she's apologized to him like wow and it's a big deal right and so yeah and now it's like what is her life now her life is all about her grandkid and her son and you know by extension me and it's like i you know oh, that's that's wow yeah
0: yeah, I think my mom is trying to shed responsibility so she can live her life.
1: Right, she... <laughs> right, right. But like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, it all boils back to the, this notion of like our parents are people too. And and I don't know that I even realized that for me. And it, for me, it was when I had my son. But I think for mm. everybody, it's like when you grow up and you just start to s- experience mortality yourself <laughs> and like, oh, right, like we're not that's all true. That's true,
0: that's true. And to go back to, like, how I feel about children, uh, like I said, I forget that I have a nephew. Um, <laughs> I'm not – I've never wanted to have kids. I've yeah. never I never felt the desire. I've never wanted to become pregnant. Mm-hmm. I think the stance I sort of took on kids is if my partner wanted to have kids, I'm sure I'd be all in. But if my partner wanted to go all in on a dog, I am totally there. Yeah. I'm not really much of a cat person, so I'm not going to commit to that. But um, – Dogs, I can do, even uh, hamsters, I can do, kids, I'll probably do. Uh, But at the moment, I don't think my partner wants to have a kid. Mm -hmm. And I also don't feel very tied to having kids biologically. And I don't know why. It's just never been that way. Yeah.
1: More with Kathy too in just a minute. If you want to hear more about my husband's coming out story, he tells it himself in the very first episode of this show. It's called Daddy, Baba and Sam. I really do hope you check it out and subscribe and follow wherever you're listening. So Kathy isn't sure she actually wants kids, biological or otherwise, but she does have a part in some other people's fertility journeys. She donated her eggs.
0: It just felt like I was donating like a kidney or something, or it doesn't matter to me whether or not 10 years from now, some kid shows up at my door and Mm -hmm. says that they're related to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I definitely don't begrudge people that have biological kids, like love that you have your kids and... I just, for some reason, don't feel a need or a connection to that. And yeah. if my partner and I decide in a few years that we want to have a kid, I'm also very, very much fine adopting. So it's kind of nice mm-hmm. that I'm not beholden to the biological clock in any sort of way.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the donating eggs chapter. So how did that come to be?
0: I can't now remember like exactly what started it, but... I do remember that I ended up being in a registry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't. I think it was. I think it was like a friend of a friend who asked if I would donate, and I was like, yeah. And then they they were like, well, let's go through a registry though, because like they want to make sure that everything is like legit. So so I did, and ended up signing up with like I can't remember the name of the company, but they told me that um, there was a volunteer fee attached to it if you wanted to donate. And I was like, great, this will help me pay off my student loans. And so that's essentially what I did. And then they, mm-hmm. the same family came back to me later and wanted to do it again because I think – well, they didn't tell me exactly why. I couldn't tell if it was either because it didn't work the first time or they wanted a sibling. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did it again. And I was like, great. And then years later, I had forgotten that I was in the registry. And I got another <laughs> call. Mm. And I was like, sure, why not? Like, to me, it just felt like a body part that I could help donate. Mm. It felt like a good give and take. If I could help a family and I can also give her these loans, yeah, 100%. Perfect.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. just such an interesting perspective to capture. In the context of my own experience, we mm. we went through an IVF journey. So my sister was our egg donor and then right. obviously Zewu was the sperm donor. And then we have a surrogate who carries who had carried our son. And then we're basically doing that again with a new team. And, and so just like, we've heard the story of the surrogate, we've heard the story of the dads in this case, we've heard, you know, mm. our, but like, you know, my sister, you know, she gave a couple sound bites, but basically for her, it was like, yeah, like, I didn't think twice, like, I, I already knew I was going to do it before you even asked me. And then you hear about the injections that she has to take and like, how that can be really intense. And like, so, I'm just mm. was curious to kind of I had no idea by the way that you did this oh. me, and then I listened <laughs> to the article or the episode, I was like, "Wow, this is such a cool
0: thing. yeah, the thing I was most worried about when I was doing the the egg donation were the timing of everything because everything is timed very closely to like the cycle of mm-hmm. the uh i guess in your case of the surrogate for me, I think it was just the I think it was just the mom mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um." And so you had to like take these, and in- you had to do these injections at the cer- at a certain time, and then this was like in 2010 or something, and back so back then, you had a series of shots that had to happen right like 24 hours before the actual extraction happened, and so just getting all of that timing down was the most stressful part of the whole thing, but like other than that, I thought that egg donation was not super difficult, at least for me. I think maybe I got very lucky. I think I thought I was a good candidate to be a donor because I knew that I wasn't going to be tied to somebody who biologically was related to me.
1: Mm-hmm. So now there's at least, there's three. People. I don't know, actually. Humans, I never you found know.
0: out. Yeah. I don't know if- um, Zero to
1: three humans out there that- Yeah. Zero have. to three. Yeah.
0: I think it'd be kind of cool to meet them one day if, if they exist, but I also am totally fine if- they don't exist or we never meet. Yeah, I live with my wife and my dog, who's a rescue from Puerto Rico, mm. and she's very opinionated. Both of them are, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I consider our, our little three being unit my family now. And, mm. I mean, obviously my, my parents also, but I feel a little bit isolated. I mean, we all feel isolated right now, but at the moment, I'm the only one that lives on the East Coast. So it's just me and Brittany and Bowie, and that—that that is my family. Uh, if I am not speaking like further about friends and yeah, your organic,
1: your core family—I don't know what we call it. Yeah, <laughs> not are you're you're non you're non-gaggle. My
0: legal family is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, how did you meet?
0: We met on Tinder. Yay! The old-fashioned way.
1: Okay, cupid in our case.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as I was flying back from Taiwan after doing that episode, recording that episode Mm -hmm. about Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember Tobin telling me that it was, he was like, online dating is a numbers game. So you just got (laughs) to treat it like a numbers game. So I was on the plane, like swiping um, left, right, left, right. Essentially. Like I was, I think he was saying that you can't match with anybody unless you swipe. So like, If you're taking a lot of times evaluating everybody and not actually, like, matching with people, then you're never going to meet anybody. So so I was just swiping away. And then once I landed, I think uh, Brittany and I had matched. And we we met up not too long after when I was very, very, very jet lagged. Um, I was on Asian time, on Taiwan time, mm. and um, she loves to make fun of me about this, uh, that I don't remember much of our first date because it's true, and I was jet lagged, and I needed to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I asked her out for coffee at like 6 o'clock at p.m. Because <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> and she's like, how about like two? Decaf? I was Maybe? like, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> And since then, we have um, adopted a dog. We have a, bought a place in Brooklyn, which I never thought I would do because I love California. Mm. And we got married last August, mainly for health insurance, but also because we love each other. But the health insurance is killer. <laughs> yeah.
1: What was the marriage? What did it look like? Was it was it an event or was it a did you go to the
0: courthouse? So, in New York, they had this thing called Project Cupid to help people get married during the pandemic. So, everything mm. was going to happen on Zoom or something.
1: Hmm.
0: And the thing that that was really funny about it was that they were completely out of appointments all of the time. So, what you had to do was like set an alert on Twitter for their Twitter team to update that there are new appointments. It's a lot like, oh, my God, it was a preparation for vaccines. I was just going to say,
1: I literally had this moment <laughs> last night. We got our appointments finally oh, next Tuesday. Congratulations. Oh, so congratulations. Oh, my God, that's so good. Finally.
0: Yeah, so it really felt like preparation for uh, <laughs> vaccines. And so we grabbed an appointment for August. And then as the day got closer, there was a heat wave in New York. So we went to Buffalo, where it was a little bit cooler. And we still did the whole, we did the whole, like, Courthouse online thing, and then you have the ceremony. Brittany's dad got super into the fact that we were gonna have a wedding right there. And so he's an attorney, and so he like got a, he roped a judge into officiating, and we just went down to a park. It was my wife, our dog, <laughs> my now father in law, Brittany's younger brother, and Brittany's younger brother's mother, who is not married to. Dad, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird assemblage of uh, people, but it was very lovely. It was at the park, and it was a super short ceremony, less than five minutes long. Signed the paper. We went to like a friend's house for a very small reception of pizza and sushi, mm. and uh, oh, that sounds. So then bad. We were, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then we were married, and it's been awesome. great since then. I mean, nothing has really changed except I now pay less taxes and health insurance
1: <laughs> what's a um like a typical saturday like for you all or sunday even i'm sure there's a um, lot of work going on but at some point yeah non-work yeah
0: we, we try definitely try to take the weekend off um there's little things that need to happen around the house we're still trying to like figure things out so i think half the day is spent organizing cleaning and then half the time we're just watching television because that's what i need right now listen <laughs> <Just yeah>. unwind <laughs>
1: so much here do, do you find though that like the the full house the you know family ties like obviously mm. it's not that but do you feel like you've kind of started to fulfill a kind of a vision for the family you want oh to yeah build?
0: definitely I love that I have a little family there's not enough hijinks I, I want to say but I, I also wonder if I'm just not the kind of person that is into hijinks actually so, I think it actually ended up exactly how i I wanted to I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. I wish I was a little bit closer to my parents. I haven't seen them since before the pandemic started, so it's been over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did just book my flight because we're getting our second shots this weekend, I think. So hopefully in May I'll be fully vaccinated and get to see them. but, yeah, I really, I love having my little family here. And I'm just like looking forward to when we're post-pandemic where I can hang out with friends because they're just as important to me as my family is.
1: Yeah, I see my mom for the first time next week. Wow. Saying that out loud is like I'm feeling emotion come up again. Not hard for me. I was crying in the car this morning listening to Nancy. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
1: it's like this show, like we cry, we cry a lot. Um, But yeah. returning to your parents yeah like what is that gonna be like and for you with your mom like i mean you talk now or no like oh yeah yeah. we talk
0: um almost every weekend a couple years ago i made a new year's resolution to call Hmm. my parents more often so i just set a i have a weekly sunday noon o'clock alarm (laughs) to call my parents yeah and now if i don't call they're like why haven't you called
1: yeah Is there anything that we haven't talked about in terms of family of origin, chosen family, family now that you want to be sure to put Mm. into the universe?
0: I think post-pandemic, I'm looking forward to renewing my chosen family crowd because I Mm -hmm. think I got a couple of different groups, pockets of those that have been severely neglected in the past year as we all end up overworking and constantly isolated Hmm. I think I'm I'm very much looking forward to that because that's the thing that I think I don't recognize as being important to me until it's until I'm like really upset about something and I'm like who am I who am I supposed to talk to about this Mm -hmm. and turns out it's a friend that I haven't talked to in a while Mm -hmm. and probably should have yeah
1: Zoom is just so much different than real life. It's It's nice. It's so
0: different. It's giving me
1: gifts, like being able to have a 90 minute conversation with you or Latrice Royale, you know, in my closet. Like, you know, these are all amazing (laughs) things. And like people, we need people. Like, we need human touch and connection. And um, yeah, so
0: it also makes me more worried that I don't know how to do those things anymore. I mean, I was always bad at small talk, but now I'm (laughs) sure I'm terrible at it. It's just, what am I going (coughs) to. I don't know how to be around people anymore. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah. Kathy, too. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me and also just um, being such a kind and open person. <laughs> I, I loved making that show with you that we made in Chicago and I love the shows you're making. It's a New York Times or part of making. Um, truly, I just you're the work that's going on over there is just beautiful right now. And I can't wait to see you somewhere at some point
0: <laughs> at some and
1: point. reminisce in real life. But we appreciate you sharing your story and helping us grow the beautiful tapestry of, of family.
0: Thank, you. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for having me.
1: Kathy, too. What a thoughtful and frank and fun person to talk to there's something she said that's really sticking with me. The idea that we can't put the people we love into boxes and make them conform. That was true for her mom when it came to accepting Kathy's queerness. And it was a lesson Kathy learned, too. When she stopped trying to put her parents into boxes based on American pop culture, she was able to appreciate and accept them more. I'm gonna try and take a close look at the boxes I've built for the people in my family. Are they roomy enough? Are they fit for the person or my expectations of them? I think it might be a really interesting exercise for you, too. What do those boxes look like? And you might find, like Kathy did, that it's time to build some new ones. Thank you so much to Kathy Two for joining us and sharing her story. She's underscore Kathy Two on Twitter. And yes, her dog Bowie has an Instagram. Bowie dog underscore. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TIMFshow. Our website is TIMFshow.com. This podcast is a production of thestoryproducer.com, and it's made by me, Katie Cloxon, Trisha Bobita, Jackie Ball, and B Bosco. It is edited and mixed by Adam Yaffe. Our music is by Andrew Edwards. Social Current takes care of our social media and show administration. You can find them at Social Current. That's social C-U-R-R-A-N-T. And last but certainly not least, our art director is my handsome husband, Ziwoo Joe. If you have connected to this show, can you please do me a favor and share it with a friend? This whole enterprise is all about amplifying the many different ways to make a family. And honestly, we can't really do that without your help. So spread the T-I-M-F love. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Tyler Green. And until next time, stay beautiful and messy. Is the podcast all done, Sam?